Let it be, let it be, let it be, yeah, let it be. <laughs> Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. That was very beautiful. Thank you, Sydney. You know, I'm thinking all these intros to our podcasts are sort of like your you auditioning for the voice. And maybe maybe if you're lucky somebody will hear it someday and then you'll get a you'll get a deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that is that what you're planning on doing? It seems like that's what you're planning on doing with how much of the voice you watch and then how much singing you do on the podcast. Is that correct? No. But is that something you're open to? I mean if somebody wants to give me an opportunity to leg up out there. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about it. Uh, so <clears throat> Today's podcast is something we sort of came up with in retrospect, where we sit there and we brainstorm what are going to be our new topics. Sometimes I'll send Sydney a a video while I'm working of thoughts that pop into my head about topics for the podcast. And I realized after having some conversations over the last week or two with different people, we never really covered the... The premise of why would you want to get married? I guess that's because when we have a podcast called Millennial Marriage, we just assume everyone who's listening to it already either is married or wants to be married. And uh, I, I think we realize that maybe it's important for us to address that fundamental question of why even get married? Because Sydney always wanted to be married. I always wanted to be married. It wasn't a question I ever had to wrestle with of whether or not marriage is a good idea. It was sort of like a given. But we're finding more and more... For people, either those of uh, uh, those people who are a little bit older, um, we're talking basically mid late thirties and older, and who somehow are still single uh, or are divorced, and they're not so sure how they feel about getting married again, or there's conflicting thoughts, and also those who are younger who maybe came from ugly divorced homes, um, or something of that nature, where they're or asking, just their children of our culture mm-hmm. right now, right, and we're starting to you know go back to asking the the basics and the fundamentals, these fundamental questions of why, why do we have these traditions in the first place? And so we want to make a podcast dedicated to talking about why we think it's a good idea to get married and to give you all of our, I don't want to say arguments, but our reasoning and our thought process behind why we're super duper pro marriage, why we think it's a really great thing. So, um, I'm going to kind of hand it over to Sydney here. She has a few things here on a list that we're going to just kind of go through and discuss and um, expand on. Go ahead. Hi. So I think as I was thinking about why I get married and the benefits of marriage, I think that there is a certain level of trust and commitment that gets opened up in marriage as far as when you're dealing with getting married you're not just you're not just living together you're not just dating and and well let's just take this step by step and move in together and see if that works out and you know maybe we'll get a pet together and see if (laughs) we're responsible enough to take care of a pet together so stupid and you know, people start to get into these really legal and contractual obligations as far as a responsibility to, to take care of an animal or buying a car together or signing on a lease together. I can't believe that person we knew in, at your old job who bought a house with it. Oh, yeah. 
with her boyfriend. That was unbelievable. Yeah, so people are making these kind of really serious decisions every day without having the commitment of marriage. So they're walking into these commitments that for married couples as far as you would think that you would be married before you would purchase a house together or before you would have kids have kids or get a car or get a pet or move in together whatever all these things that now have become normal in culture of of course you wouldn't get married before living together or of course you wouldn't get married before having sex what if you're not sexually compatible or what if you're not what if you live together and you find out that he's a mass murderer or whatever? Okay. Usually not the case. Yeah, whatever these Good thing I moved in are. with him because then I found out he was a mass murderer. So, yeah. you know, that was close. Yeah. Haven't heard that story yet in real life. Yeah, so one of the things that that just doesn't make sense to me is that people do they make these commitments but but yet they're still not making the commitment to one another of saying hey till death do us part I'm here for you I'm laying down my life for you I'm sacrificing myself for you and once that commitment happens there is a deeper level of trust that's opened to you as a couple as a individual that isn't there when you're just dating because it's just impossible to create that okay creaky creak our cat is again uh playing with the door and being jealous of our time but yeah so that's just one of the things that i was thinking about and I hear people, not so much Christians, I don't think it is as much of a a commonality that, you know, Christian people are necessarily moving in together before they're married or... Mm, really? I don't want to name names, but... You know people? We know people. We know people? You don't remember? I don't know. You're going to have to tell me after. So. I'm going to tell you after. <laughs> Clue me in. Really? Oh. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? No, but we'll talk about it. But there... So I guess, yeah, in that, I mean, whether... And maybe that is just happening because it is so normal in culture that people don't understand the significance of... I mean, if you're living together, you are sharing part of your life with another person. And and I see logically why, yeah, that makes sense because you want to see how this person lives and mm. everything. But it's all, in the end, it all ends up being kind of little, not band-aids over your relationship, but like, oh, I'll just take this in steps when it's like, yeah, marriage is supposed to be all in. Like, you're diving off the high diving board into the deep end of the pool, and you're making that full commitment of jumping off. Because if you have 
one foot on dry land, one foot in the water, and you're never fully in the water, then it's like you're living, you're making every decision out of that place of, well, I'm not really fully committed to this person. I don't really have to make that sacrifice. When you're married, it's like, yeah, it's not just compromising. Like, sometimes you lose, and sometimes you have to give up everything that you want for this other person because you're not allowed to be selfish anymore. Do you need to go in the garage, babe? So why don't you deal with that, and I'll, I'll respond. So uh, this is the phrase I like to use, and the phrase is burning the boats. Um, there's a few a few military leaders throughout time, and I mean like a long time ago, who uh, <clears throat> back when, if you wanted to invade somewhere, you showed up on a boat. Um, they would bring their army to some new land and said, we're going to take this land, or, or else nothing. There's no plan B. We're going to take this land, and we're going to take over this culture, and we're going to win this war, or, or we're going to die. And part of the way that uh, the military leaders would motivate their troops is they would burn the boats. So that means you show up in a boat, and then before you get started on deciding whether or not you think you can win the fight, you light the boat on fire. Because nothing will motivate you to fight hard like the alternative being absolute death. And so I use the phrase burn the boats, meaning have no plan B. So that means annulment, not an option. Divorce, not an option. Uh, giving up and having a lame, loser, weak marriage, not an option. Um, you have to have a burn the boats mentality because nothing else will drive you to dig as deep and to get as much out of yourself and your spouse as not having a plan B. Um, it sounds a little bit intense. I think maybe maybe females don't love that um, analogy quite so much, or guys who are generally scared. But I, I do believe you get the most you get the best out of people once they have the perception that the boat has been burned. And um, the trouble with living together before you're married or sleeping together before you're married is a lot of things. But one of which is that um, you're always keeping a plan B. And so what you're doing is you're you're practicing even if it's subconscious, right? So you're practicing intimacy and closeness you're, you're basically pretending to be married you're acting out being married but without ever having to have that commitment that says i can't leave i've got to figure it out so that uh -huh. means that whenever you hit your personal limit of annoyance or not wanting to be dealing with this person which inevitably is always going to happen in every marriage no matter what um, and you say i don't want to do this right now i want to bail uh, you can do that. And so what you're doing is you're practicing, you're training yourself to to have a limit to where you're saying this is too hard. And I'm not saying like you need to be putting up with abuse or anything like that. No, I'm totally not talking about that. I'm talking about just the, the simple difficulties of marriage and the, and the challenge and the work that marriage takes. It's really a work thing. So yeah. when you live together before and you say, oh, I want to see what it's like to live with this person, that's a very practical concern. And I get I get where you're coming from. But the problem is, the problem is you're training yourself to believe that you you can get out of this thing if it gets too bad. Mm -hmm. And so um, the thing and the thing that's stupid is it's like we're gonna live together for two years and then if we like it we're gonna get married. Guess what? And in four years from then, that person is going to change unless that person is a monolith. If that then, which is rare, uh, that person like is going from to change. Agents of so, Shield. no, Sydney, not like the one from Agents of Shield. <laughs> um, 
like people change. That's so stupid when you say like, oh, are we sexually compatible? Yeah, maybe today, but you know, what about three weeks from now? You probably won't be. And and every argument there is a dumb argument. It's really one an argument from fear that's not really rooted in logic. And so I mean, you can really. Well, and people talk to me about that before I got married and wow, how are you not going to have sex with this person? Like, what if his dick is shriveled up into a little raisin? Or what if he... That's what somebody said to you? I don't yeah. believe No, I don't believe anybody actually said that yeah, to Yeah, someone said that. Who said that? My sister. Okay, well, she's not... But anyways, it's <laughs> like people... People put these fears like into your head A of, prune, thank you very much. Yeah. People put these fears into your head of... You know, what if and what if and makes you question your relationship, your values, the things you stand on. I mean, I mean, it didn't make me question as far as I didn't know that we weren't doing the right thing. I did still believe in that. But then it causes unnecessary fears when mm. in reality, if something, if the Lord has brought two people together and you're married and that was the Lord's doing, then... It's going to work out. I mean, you figure sex is weird in general. You have to work at it. It's not just, yeah, maybe you have like one night of passion with somebody, but that's Mm. not a relationship. So it's so much more than just an exchange of bodies or sex or anything like that. And they're like anything. You grow your relationship over time. You become more intimate with somebody and that sexual relationship grows over time as you learn what each other likes, as you learn each other's bodies, as you learn what makes them tick, what they don't like, whatever things, and you start to adjust and, and it becomes more of a more of a sacrificial, really deep, intimate time because you're not just looking for an orgasm necessarily, or you're not just like you're not just ending at my personal pleasure. You're looking at how can we both benefit or sometimes how can this person just benefit and I want to love this person and or I don't need anything our marriage in return. As our actual marriage as sort of this third entity that is this thing Sydney and I are working on, almost like it's a company. How can that benefit from sexual intimacy? Right. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think I, I would love, I have a lot to say about sex, but... I want to kind of just group that in with the whole idea of testing things out before you're married. And so that's sort of what we're trying to address, which is be careful how far you take it when you're trying to test things out. I, I, Sydney and I got married very quickly because I knew she was the one I'm supposed to marry. If you listen to, uh, if you listen to our other podcast, you know exactly where I'm coming from with that. I don't have time to explain that right now, but um, I was already 100% in, so I knew. I knew she was it. So as soon as she was ready to say yes, I was, I was down to slap a ring on it. But um, I think for a lot of people, they don't have that. And I think it's mm-hmm. okay to date for longer. But I would say that's the point of dating is really spending a lot of time with that person and figuring out, do I love spending time with this person or not? All those other things. Well, what about how they fold laundry? What about how they load the dishwasher? Uh, we're not going to get into that. We're it's not- so important. Oh, my God. It still, it still irritates me. Anyway, uh, all that stuff like, well, what, what if she's a freak? What if she's not a freak? What if he's gross? What if whatever? All of those other things, like, that's what you're expected to have to be working on while you're married. All that stuff is, it's like, you die to self, and you serve your spouse, whether you are the husband 
or the wife. You die to self and you serve your spouse. Now, it doesn't mean that you're a slave all the time because it's both ways. You can make just as many requests as are being made of you. You can even make more requests as are being made of you, whether you're male or the female. But just know that, um, you know, all that other stuff you're worried about, whether or not you'll get along. Like the fundamentals are, are you going to be friends? Do you enjoy spending time with a person? Because that's mostly what marriage is. It's just hanging out. Do you enjoy hanging out with this person all the time? If not, then don't marry them. If yes, then definitely look into potentially marrying them. So Yeah. Um, I think and it was interesting because Mike and I just had dinner with a couple that mm. was a vital part of our story in the at the very beginning because this couple was a couple that I was living with and they were really encouraging Mike and and encouraging me to date Mike and not just listen to necessarily what other people were saying that was causing irrational fears or causing me to ask questions that didn't necessarily need to be asked yet or whatever it was. And this couple was just like, hey, he's into you. He's smart. He has shown that he loves God and that he's pursuing the Lord and growing. Like, give him a chance. Let's see how this goes. You know, it wasn't, they just took it very blasphemy. They just took it very, I'd say they took it seriously, but it wasn't so serious that it was crippling the chances of us getting to know each other or to have the freedom to get to know each other. It was encouraging that versus "Mm, hold on, let's ask more questions before you really like think about it. And it's funny because they, they just had dinner with us and they're like, oh, we're so glad that you're still together because that means we weren't <laughs> totally wrong. But they were saying, God, you guys were intense. And it's true. We were because we both had such, like we weren't just looking for something to just be the Band-Aid, to just help mm. us to continue on another day and not feel lonely like we weren't just looking for a mediocre relationship like we wanted and we still want to this day we wanted and we want for any other marriage to have to have passion to have alignment of values to be constantly growing as individuals and as mike said this other entity that's our marriage we want that to be growing and healthy and it hasn't looked perfect along the way all the time. Of course not. It hasn't. But the fact that we both wanted those things and we asked each other really hard questions early on to really dig in deeper, not just, oh, let's go to the movies and have fun. You know, a lot of our relationship was spent hundreds of miles apart. Mm. So we had the, I would call it a luxury, even though it was a hardship, but the luxury of spending a lot of time on the phone and asking those difficult questions that even we talk to people that are have been married and they haven't asked their spouse the questions that we asked when we were dating and I think that that caused us to be much more serious about the relationship Grant and Mike in his mind already knew that I was going to be his wife but he didn't necessarily have a timeline of what that looked like and I had no idea I was just, I was so afraid of making the wrong decision because I knew when I marry somebody, I'm not getting a divorce. Like, that is not an option. Mm -hmm. 
So I better be damn sure that this person is the right person for me as far as can we work on things? It's not going to be perfect, but how does this person handle suffering? And so I think if if you are, you know, somebody that is single or you're engaged to be married and you might be getting cold feet or you're scared or whatever, like really take that time to dig deep and, and ask each other those questions of, of, like what did the what does this person value? What do they want out of life? What has been their hardships? You know, share in each other's struggles and have a certain vulnerability. Not not too much if it's early on in the relationship. Like I think we were like probably a little intense <laughs> in the beginning of our relationship. Probably a lot intense. Probably a lot intense. However, I started the conversation on an incredibly intense note, so I can probably take the. The blame for that. However, asking those questions is really important to, and I think the biggest part too is that we both, well, I'm going to speak for myself because Mike already knew he was going to marry me, so that's a little bit different of a scenario, but for me, I, if Mike wasn't going to be my husband, I wanted to be sure that anything that However I performed with Mike as far as how I showed up and my actions that were taken, I wanted to be sure that I could stand before whoever was going to be my spouse and not feel like I had disrespected them or awoken love too soon or mm -hmm. whatever these things that would be... Because Mike can talk about it, just even my past sexual sin before I became a Christian is still damaging to him as to think about that, like his wife going through that and, and those things, it breaks his heart. You know, he wishes that that hadn't been my story or I hadn't had to go through those things. So I can't imagine if as a Christian, I had gone down the, that road with somebody before Mike and I wasn't able to look him in the eyes at the altar and know, wow, we really did this thing right. And we're going to be good for each other, and we've really shown that we have perseverance, that we can endure suffering, that we can get through anything together because we've gotten through not living together and not having sex and, hmm. and all these things. So if that's something that that scares you or freaks you out, the idea of not pursuing those things before you're married let me just be the one to tell you that it's so worth it. When you say pursuing those things, what do you mean specifically? Like living together, having sexual intimacy outside of marriage, whatever those things that I better make sure that this works before we commit. Well, I think that a lot of females feel pressure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of females feel pressure that if they're the one who says, no, I'm not putting out, I'm making him wait, then they're asking too much. And that's simply a mistake on their part of undervaluing their own desirability. Because right. if a woman believes, I'm freaking amazing, and I really am a catch, and the guy who's going to marry me is going to want me so bad, he will climb any mountain to get me, then saying, no, you're keeping your hands to yourself till our wedding night is really not that tall of an order. But when a woman right. thinks, I have to compromise because I'm not worth enough to 
ask that high of a price and that much sacrifice, then that's what women do is they, they compromise. Now, granted, there's also legitimate female lust and lack of self-control, and that's not something I feel like I can speak to specifically because um, I've seen it firsthand in gals that I've dated. I've, of course, seen it in female friends. I don't really understand. I don't want to pretend to understand you know, the female heart, female lust. I understand lust in general on my side, but mm-hmm. um, I can at least say on part of it, a lot of women put out, so to speak, um, because they feel like they have to, otherwise they can't, they can't seal the deal, um, which is ironic because nothing will make a man value a woman less than her putting out before she's married. Um, right. even if they don't act like it, the truth is anything you can get for free or cheap is obviously not worth very much. So, uh, that's how men think. And I know it sounds very crude, but the truth is on a subconscious level in, in men's minds, um, if it's free, it must not be very valuable. If I didn't have to commit anything to it, I don't have to commit my life, I don't have to commit my credit score, my bank account, uh, half of my belongings or more, I don't have to commit anything, Then, and I could just get it for free, then it's like, I mean, how good can it really be then? How valuable can this person's uh, right. soul really be if they'll give it out for free? So just remember it, lady. Subconsciously, and sometimes also consciously. So <clears throat> I feel like we're... And I think that kind of leads us into the... By the way, can I just say I'm super attracted to you right now when you speak really passionately about like knowing what you believe and wanting it and going after it? Mm. Okay, let's not let's not make a baby on the podcast. Uh, brief intermission. <laughs> <laughs> Very brief, unfortunately. <laughs> uh. So that kind of leads us into another point that we were talking about sexual intimacy inside of marriage. Why... Hmm. Why sexual intimacy in marriage, or I guess keeping sexual intimacy inside of marriage versus it being outside of marriage, and why is it more beneficial to be married before exploring sexuality and awakening those desires? So, there's a lot here, and I'm going to try to keep it. I'm going to try to keep it consistent with the theme here and kind of just shrink up that the scope of what we're talking about because we could go on a lot of tangents in a lot of directions. So I'm trying to just keep keep focused here. Um, Not that we won't talk about this more, but um, here's here's the way I see it. Human beings were created to have sex. Sex is part of the human experience. And God created us to enjoy sex and to be blessed by sex. Guys die early if they don't have sex on a regular basis. They tend to get prostate cancer. Um, I don't know if that's, if there's a statistic on the female side for that, but I know that's for sure true for men. So overall joy, life, contentment, happiness, everything. Life is better if you're having sex, Mm -hmm. good sex, especially on a regular basis, um, throughout your life. It just is awesome. And I don't think I need to convince most of our listeners that it's a good time. (laughs) Um, so that being said, if God created us to have sex, I would like to do it in the way that he created it. I don't want to. I like to explore, I like to experiment, I like to find out new things, but ultimately, I kind of want to just cut to the chase, and I just want somebody to tell me what's the best way to do this, and God says, it's not necessarily a position issue, or, you know, what kind of position you do it in, or how you do it, but it's with whom you do it, and I say, okay, God, well, then who should I do it with, and he says, only your spouse, within marriage, and I say, okie dokie, let's do that, and so that's, it's easy for me to just use simple deductive logic to want to be intimate with my wife, and to be married, and to stay married, and to have Mm -hmm. that sexual relationship for a long period of time, but you know, on the practical level, it's like, if you want great sex, I heard a statistic, uh, maybe eight months ago that 
overall, married people are far more sexually satisfied than single people, Christian or non-Christian, because they have more consistent sex with somebody that they trust, with somebody who knows them and and knows their body and their needs and their wants, and uh, there's no shame, there's no... There's no walks of shame. There's no regret. There's no remorse. There's none of that. Um, and so it's true. I, I promise. Right. I promise if you're single, I'm having more sex than you. Unless you're a complete psychopath fiend who's on... Unless you're Joey Tribbiani. You're on back... Joey Tribbiani. Oh, my gosh. From Friends. Is anyone going to remember that reference? <laughs> Whatever. Unless you're some kind of like nut, nut job sexual fiend, I'm probably having more sex than you and I'm probably having better sex than you because yeah. I love my wife and it's great and we've been, we've had years to work on it. And so... Um, sexuality. So, so well, and when you're not married, there's a, there's much more of that performance mentality of, I better show up and I better be the sexiest thing so that he wants to stick around with me. I better prove myself sexually so that I'm not left out to dry. And when, I do perform sexually, and if I get good feedback, then that then builds up my identity, that I'm a valuable woman, that I am wanted, desirable, all these things. However, you are, I mean, there's uh, things that we've talked about with sexuality and just how sexual sin is deeper than any other sin. It connects to more things because it's not just physical, but it's physical, spiritual, emotional. It creates attachments to another person. It creates firing in your brain that creates neural pathways of getting getting desires met and it's a, almost this urge thing that can take over us as far as wanting something and desiring somebody and I think that we we got very, very close before <laughs> we got married because... Not that close. Well... Just because... We got very excited, but we did not get close. Well, yeah, but... I mean, if you would have had less of a... Oh, yeah. If you would have less of a backbone if I had or... Less, less willpower. <laughs> yeah, less willpower or... Um, you know, if I would have been even more aggressive, it could have been so much, so bad, you know? And so it's not even like we're talking from a place of we would never do whatever and it wasn't even a problem or a struggle or an issue before we got married no it was definitely i mean we're two attractive people that are physically into each other that you know i like to touch his muscles he likes to kiss me whatever it's just like natural progression of things that's a pc way to put it (laughs) yeah and so it just i just see it as such a lie from the enemy of a way to attack women and men, but I can only speak from the woman's perspective as far as feeling like performing sexually becomes something of your value as a woman and whether or not you can satisfy a man and maintain his attention long enough to prove that you're valuable and that he wants you. And and that's just our culture. And and growing up as a non-Christian, being in high school, having those experiences of, oh, I just want somebody to like me. And I remember running to my mom, I'm never going to have a boyfriend. Nobody likes me. Nobody thinks I'm attractive. And as soon as you start to become more sexually desirable, you realize, oh, I have this power that I never knew that I had. 
and I can use it to feel better about myself and you know I'm not really giving that much away and it, it just happens here and there in little in little ways until you wake up one day and and you you don't realize wow I've once I became a Christian I realized the importance of sex and I realized well, I've given this away to people because I thought it made my myself more valuable, but it really degraded my value in regards to I have to rely, like I'm not able to, on my wedding day, like I'm not able to stand before my husband and be like, I performed well as far as sexually in that I kept myself for marriage and I'm able to stand before you saying that I never was tempted in that way. You're my first. I never had to, like, I had to completely rely on Christ for that cleanliness to be able to say, you know, I didn't perform in the way that I wish I had. Like, it makes you tear up right now because I hate that that was my life and I felt like I needed to build my identity up because of that and give myself to people that didn't deserve me and I could say that now but then I thought I didn't deserve them you know or I didn't deserve to be loved in that way so I had to completely look to Christ to be able to stand before my husband and know this is new the Lord is going to bless it we are going to have a great sexual intimacy experience and learn each other in that way that God designed and I'm just going to come to it with a clean slate because of Jesus like and it meant so much to me that Mike had the backbone and valued me as a person and an individual and wanted to get to know me and knew the importance of sexual intimacy and that it wasn't to be taken lightly and that it wasn't to be taken before we were ready and before the Lord said, yeah, okay. And I think that's why on our wedding night, it was just so free and so beautiful and just so amazing because the Lord was giving us a gift to just enjoy each other the way that we are meant to be enjoyed as a married couple. And I want everybody out there listening to be able to experience that gift. And I want to say too, if you didn't do it right and if you didn't wait until you were married and you didn't have that. I mean, you guys can come together as a couple before the Lord and repent of those things together. You can pray against any attachments of spiritual attachments that were made that need to be broken and ask the Lord, please give us a clean slate to start on to get to know each other in in the way that you would you've designed us to know each other and that you would like us to know each other sexually versus it being about us and about what we're after ask the lord to give you that gift and i believe that he'll provide that if you come to him in the genuine way that is opening your heart to the lord and you want and desire his way when it comes to marriage and when it comes to sexuality i believe he'll honor that i that was a lot I want to try to get back to the topic of um, of why I get married, but I guess to, to, to cap off what you were saying, I want to encourage those who are trying to pick up the pieces of bad decisions made 
And I want to tell you just flat out that dealing with that stuff in our marriage of the past that Sydney had brought in as well as the past that I brought in was legitimately the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with emotionally and spiritually. Harder than my dad leaving and just disappearing into thin air, having schizophrenia. Harder than my stepdad just deciding that he didn't want to be my dad anymore. Harder than, uh, you know, dealing with molestation or, I mean, hard, I mean, legitimately harder than crazy, crazy, crazy demonic stuff that you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Um, that was definitely the hardest thing I've ever dealt with on an emotional level. Um, and the pain is something I can't really put into words. Um, it's so incredibly unpleasant. And I, and I don't say this to shame people. If, if you're feeling shame, that's the enemy. Just shut that down. But just know that like, I, I, I want you... I want people to understand the gravity of what they're doing when they're saying, oh, well, you know, everybody does it. It's just sex. We've already crossed the line, whatever, whatever. Don't freaking believe the enemy. I promise that the wounds you're creating within your soul and for your future spouse are so much gnarlier than you realize right now. And if you do end up marrying that person that you're with, uh, I promise there will be consequences in your marriage for you guys crossing that line. So um, anyways, I feel like we're off topic a little bit. Let's try to get back onto the topic of... Um, you know, why you should get married, not all the things you do wrong instead of getting married. <laughs> but I thank you, Sydney, for sharing that stuff. Next bullet point. <laughs> so, well, I think that you didn't touch on is the aspect of shame and sexuality and how uh, that gets erased in marriage so or a lot of it. It's funny where it's like, we're just, just talking about sex here, but whatever. We don't get any feedback from our listeners. So I guess we're just going to do whatever we feel like until somebody starts telling us. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's sex with a demon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's maybe a shorter topic, which is, I remember, uh, we'll say a family member told me, I think I told a family member at some point, yeah, we're not having sex before we're married, we're waiting. And he goes, well, come on, man, you got to test drive it. Because I think that family member was then sleeping with their girlfriend or fiance. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, come on, you got to take it for a test drive. And I thought, no, because like, what, what is that? Is that test drive or that couple test drives going to tell you what the next 50 years is going to be like? Yeah, right. Um, um, anyway, the whole shame thing is it's like, I think we just kind of vomited out a lot of what can what can come from shame of doing it the wrong way but the, the beautiful thing about the right way is sex within marriage is is and should be shameless now i'm sure there's dysfunctional parties whether male or female in in marriages or both where they shame each other and that's wrong but in the, in the ideal situation we have two godly people trying to do the right thing um it takes something that's extremely vulnerable and extremely intimate mm -hmm. and it makes it so much more doable. It's sort of like, I'm just making this analogy up and out of thin air, so bear with me here, but for those of you who are terrified of public speaking and the idea of standing behind a podium in front of a, a, an auditorium full of people just makes your palms start sweating and makes you uncomfortable, okay, imagine first practicing doing that with just one person in the room. And it's like your mom, you know, giving that speech. And uh -huh. it's like, okay, cool. She's just going to, she's going to be encouraging. She's not going to judge you that hard, but she's going to help you be better. Okay. Well, that's a safe environment to do that thing. That's very intimate and vulnerable. So I probably shouldn't use the analogy of a mom. Yeah. I was like, Oh, now I'm going to transition into sex. 
Uh, and this is weird. So don't do that. <sighs> don't have sex with your mom. Says it in the Bible. Right there. Uh, it does, in the Greek. Which is so, so weird. Oh boy. We're not going to get into that. But the, the point being, you can grow and develop and blossom and mature sexually when you have a partner that you have intimacy with, when you don't mm-hmm. have resentment, when you have trust, when you know they signed a legal document and they made a, a promise before God to say, I am not leaving no matter what, come hell or high water, I am not going to leave. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the kind of freedom to say, okay, I can be unclothed in front of this person, I can be intimate with this person, I could try things with this person, I can even do things that end up embarrassing and awkward and um, maybe unflattering in front of this person. And I know that they're going to forgive me, be, or not forgive me even, just like, I know they're not going to judge me because they're going to be equally as open and like vulnerable. Like, there's so many times that we just laugh because some, like, hilarious, <sighs> stupid thing happens. Oh, my God. And... There's so many things I can never tell anybody <laughs> that I wish I could tell, but because I know that it's not, that's not a, a story that's allowed to be told. For the nations. It's not a story, yeah. Yeah, but it's so many times that we just end up laughing but if it was somebody that we weren't married to, it would have just been like, oh, my. Utterly, utterly like, devastating. I'm never seeing this person again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Turns out. I'm thinking of one moment in particular that was yeah. just absolutely ridiculous. So it's just. Or that time we hit each other's heads. We weren't even having sex. Yeah. But just things that happen that if you weren't. It, when you're married, you just laugh about it. And you're like, ha ha. I can't believe that happened. Hope and it doesn't happen again. But wow, that was hilarious. Well, and, and that's the thing, actually, is you talk a lot about women feeling pressure. Well, as a guy, like, there's a lot of pressure to perform and to be good and to be ready and to not have erectile issues and to be able to last a long time and have really good core strength and not have not run out of cardio and to do all these sweet moves and to be able sweet to... Moves. Sweet moves. and to be able to perform. And it's like, that's really hard. That stuff is really, really hard. Okay, I did martial arts all my life, and sex is probably almost as hard as martial arts. It is hard. I'm just telling you straight up. I'm, I'm a more athletic person, and I can tell you, it is freaking work, and it's easy to make mistakes, and especially if you're not prepared. So, it's like that kind of pressure. I can't imagine if I was trying to run around as a single person, or if I had a girlfriend that wasn't like a, a guaranteed gonna stick around thing. That kind of pressure would be. Not good, and it wouldn't help me feel free. It wouldn't help me build intimacy. I think it would build insecurity, and um, that you you can really the only time you can really explore sexuality, I believe, in a free and healthy and godly way, is with a person that you know is never going to leave, and that it's right and and holy for you to be with them, and they want to be with you, and they and they're totally going to look past. They're going to just laugh if something yeah. happens. You know, not laugh, not laugh at you, but laugh with you, and. Um, they're going to move on and they're going to do dumb things in front of you too and you're going to just say well okay that's what happened or no, I shouldn't say dumb things maybe embarrassing things and they're going to say okay well that's how it goes and you move on and so yeah, I'm definitely not going to get into specifics right now although I'm thinking of so, <laughs> so many things that are funny but so there's that what's our next um... and then you don't get STDs and then you also don't get STDs that's uh, I feel like I don't need to go. We've already gone really into depth about like the wrong way to do sex. And I feel like there's so much else to marriage. And we're just focusing on the sex part. So we can just skip past that. I mean, it's a huge part. So that's why it's there's true. so much to talk about. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about as far as benefits to marriage is the conviction that comes on a deeper level. And what I mean by that is that you have 
mm-hmm. somebody in your corner that yeah. almost is acting as that mirror for you to be able to reflect back if you if you said an unkind remark, if you were being rude, if you lied to somebody, you know, this person who's married you has a commitment to you to not only be there for you and be supportive and encouraging, but also challenge you in the ways that you need to be challenged to grow, to be a better person, to follow the Lord more diligently. And it isn't just, oh, we're having fun and it's not really that serious and we're just going to live our lives and go to work and come home and go to bed and clean the house and cook some meals and do all of that stuff. I mean, yeah, that's part of living life as a married person as well. But when you're dating, you don't really have that. You're still looking out for yourself in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And you're still number one. You're still protecting yourself from really getting hurt 100%. And there's just aspects of you being number one and not putting that other person first. And when you're married and when you're married, you really have to look at that seriously. And, and sometimes there's things that, that I hear in Mike that are distortions or lies or fears or doubts or things that aren't of God. And maybe it's not my place in that moment to challenge that. And I have to have the discernment to just, Maybe I just pray for him in that moment for that thing. Maybe I ask the Lord to reveal truth to him that he needs to hear or whatever it is. It doesn't look the same all the time, but there's, I have a responsibility as a wife to be thinking through those things more. Whereas if I was just single, I, or, you know, dating, I feel like, And I can speak to when I was dating Mike, I was definitely more just thinking about myself and thinking about protecting myself, making sure I'm making the right decision, da-da-da. And when you get to that place that you realize, yeah, I want to... When you're married, you're like, if he benefits and grows, I benefit and grow. It's Mm -hmm. not just about me anymore and... I believe he feels the same way for me. There's so many times that he, I'll tell him something and he's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I prayed for you that you would hear that, that you would hear that truth. And the Lord told you and shared with you in a way that you would understand and in a way that you would receive that maybe I couldn't give to you. So -hmm. it's not holding yourself to this higher place of feeling like, oh, well, I'm so much better than them that I see this and they don't. It's... It's a, in a way that is humbling where you get to go, all right, Lord, if it's time for you to use me to tell this person the truth, then I'm open to it. But if I just need to pray for my spouse that they would receive something from you, then you just let me know that too. So I think that growth potential is so much more when you're married because you have somebody in the trenches with you all the time, like seeing every little flaw not mentioning every little flaw, ladies. <laughs> ladies. <laughs> or gentlemen. But. Ladies. <laughs> but seeing it for what it is and having the opportunity 
to be that tool that the Lord uses for your spouse to, to grow in that area. Uh, yeah, that's, that's something that's interesting. I was talking to, uh, my pastor the other day and we were talking about a theological issue that we have a disagreement on. And I, I kind of half flustered, got to the end of the conversation and I said, listen, man, I want to know God. And it's like, yeah, you're right. We could just narrow it to this one little path of knowing God. And he said, well, isn't that enough? And I said, yeah, sure. It's enough. If you just want to know the basics. And I said, but I want to know every way of knowing God. I want to know all of his love languages, and I want to be fluent in all of them. In any way he can and is willing to speak to me, I want it. Because if you love God and you know God, don't you want to get as much of him as humanly possible? Don't you want to have as many interactions as possible and understand him in as dynamic of a way as possible? And he just looked at me kind of silent. And I said, what? what? What's wrong? And I said, don't, don't, wouldn't you want that? And he said, well... Uh, you're the first person to ever tell me that. I've been in ministry for 25 or 35 years. And I said, well, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But, but um, that being said, it's, you know, it's kind of my position that if you're a Christian, there should be an urgency and excitement and a desire to know God and to be known by God um, and to have that intimacy and knowledge and knowing him. And so part of that is to have the word of God to wash over you and every aspect you can and to have community where people say, listen, brother or sister, I see you have these weak areas. I see you have some blind spots. I see you have strongholds or, or, or whatever um, on the side of repentance, but also as well to encourage you and to build you up in areas where you're just not able to believe in your, to believe that you are who God says you are and that you are worth, worth a damn. And so marriage does both of those things times a lot and you can't escape it. You know, there's times where Sydney will almost corner me and like harass me with encouragement. And it's the strangest interaction ever, but I guess in some ways I need it because it sets in and it, and, and it sort of, it's like a crock pot, you know, it takes a while to really simmer in and for the flavor to sink in. But, but it, but it matters to me because she has no incentive to lie to me. Um, in fact, she, it seems like her propensity is to want to be more critical as a female who gets scared sometimes. But you know, when my wife corners me and, and, and like, kind of like it's almost like a bully you know in the hallway wants to slam me against the locker but it's like when she you're amazing yeah that's exactly <laughs> what it's like and she's like harassing me when i'm half asleep i'm like dude come on i can't deal with this right now but harassing me about how i don't believe myself enough or i'm not trusting god or, or i don't see myself the way god sees me you know and that's that's when she gets aggressive and it's like I tend to be so self-critical that it's hard for me to see those positive things like and, i and have so, to fight for your amazingness I guess. And you know, there's that. And the other other side of it is even without your spouse saying, dude, WTF, you blew it. And your spouse challenging you on the negative side. And it, even without that, silently, you can recognize your own sin by being married to somebody. And you recognize there's all these things that would have never come up if you were single or you live by yourself or whatever, mm-hmm. that um, if you really believe what I kind of said at my a minute ago, which is I want to know God as well as possible, then part of that is to having all aspects of your soul opened up to the gospel, opened up to the word, opened up to truth. And marriage is an amazing way to do that. It's kind of like it puts your life under a magnifying glass and it never zooms out. It just mm-hmm. keeps you under there all the time and you can't really you can't really tap out of that. And if you really want the deepest knowledge of God in the most 
we'll say the most unearthing and the, the turning over of stones. I'm, I'm looking for a phrase here that, that well represents it, but sort of like they say, leave no stone un- uh, unturned. Well, it's mm-hmm. like doing that in your soul as you go pour through the scriptures and say, Lord, show me these areas of my life that are separate from you. These things that are holding me back from knowing and worshiping you. Well, guess what? Marriage is like a full-time version of that where either your spouse will challenge you to say, this is an area I see in your life, it's not godly, it's not awesome. Or you did this thing and it pissed me off and hurt my feelings and you have to wrestle it out and you realize you kind of know deep down you did it out of pure selfishness or bitterness or whatever. And then you're now confronted with this thing that you wouldn't have gotten confronted with if you're single. Or there's other things where your spouse doesn't even necessarily say, you hurt, right. me, you hurt me. But you're like, for me, for me, there's times when I'm out and about. Okay, so here's an example that I haven't even told Sydney. Today. What? What? So today I was at the gas station and uh, I ran in, paid, ran out. And this girl walked in as I was walking out. And she was just like unbelievable, unbelievably hot. Like total insta ho. Just like one of those girls you see on the internet who looks right. like she looks like she takes a lot of selfies like for a living. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, wow. And I was just taken aback. Like, wow, you do not see those people in real life. You only see them after the Photoshop has done its work. And that's what she actually looked like. And she was wearing some clothes that looked like she just came from a photo shoot of, you know, selfies. And it was challenging <laughs> Selfie to me. shoot. And it was challenging to me because I was like, wow, I really want to see her more. And like my instincts were kicking in. And I was like, yeah, to, how, like I should go talk to her. I should go pull up to the gas pump next year. And I'm thinking all these thoughts. Oh my God. I'm thinking all these thoughts like a single guy would think. And then I have to stop. And I'm sitting here in my work vehicle. And I'm in and it real quick and figure out. What the hell are you doing? What are you even right. thinking right now? And I had to kind of weigh it out in my mind. Okay, what are you thinking? Is this practical? No. Is this realistic? No. Are you really going to talk to her? No. Even if you did, what would you talk about? Nothing because you're married. Are you going to get her number? <laughs> of course not. What are you going to do? Take her on a date? Never going to happen. Okay, so what are you doing? So I have to go through these these moments and I have to rewind and stop and say, why, what, why do you even have, like, yes, it's natural to have this instinct kick in of wanting to go chase after beautiful women. That's just how it is for men. But... I also had to be honest with myself that, you know, in all those moments where I could be so strict with Sydney and I could be so quick to judgment, quick to hold her to the law and to demand her repentance, you know, she doesn't see these moments where privately I'm having to fight to just be a decent husband, to Mm -hmm. be a faithful husband. And I'm having to, you know, if I saw her fighting that hard internally to not go hit on some guy, you better believe my blood pressure would go up and it'd be upsetting. And right. yet here I am, you know, it's like, I want to bring the law to her while I, I'm, I'm fighting and begging for grace for myself. And so these are things Look privately. Look at the log in your own eye. Exactly. And so stuff like that, it's like, she didn't even know about that story. And I may not even have told her about that if we didn't have a podcast, because probably would have slipped my mind. But I have moments like this, I wouldn't say all the time, but often enough to remind me of how much grace I need for myself. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. have struck me as inappropriate or unfaithful. If I wasn't married, if I was still a single guy, like fact, if I was a single guy, I probably would have gotten her number. <laughs> Actually, I probably would have figured out she's not a Christian and then gotten frustrated and left. <laughs> That's really what would have happened. But whatever. Right. Um, but anyways, all that to say that just actually being that committed to somebody makes you have to ask harder questions of yourself and confront your instincts, your fleshly instincts. Um, and when you're confronting those things and bringing it to, to Christ and saying, no, I, I can't. I have to fight, okay, I have to address these selfish instincts 
Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly the best example, but that's just what happened to happen. What happened today? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was on my mind. So I, I believe that being a Christian, being a Christian who's married, being married is like, is like taking steroids for your faith. I, you know, I, I don't want to shame yeah. people who are single. I don't want to say, oh, you're, you're an inferior second rate Christian if you're single, because there's a lot of things you can do that we cannot do. So take advantage of it and enjoy it. But I would say as far as like rapid sanctification, it's definitely like injecting steroids into uh, your sanctification process. And a lot of people I think aren't ready for that before mm-hmm. they get married. And so I want to encourage those who are single that that's what it's like. So there's a lot of good things, but there's, it's also a very intense roller coaster. Right. Uh, but ultimately, you're, you're the better for it if you're somebody who's seeking to be like Christ and to have the Lord tell you, well done, good and faithful servant at the end of your days. Yeah. What's the next bullet point? So Mike likes a little segment called Ask Steve Harvey. Oh, my gosh. And watch I the love vlog. Steve Harvey. <laughs> I love the Steve Harvey show. I wish Steve Harvey was my dad. I wish we could <laughs> hang out and smoke cigars and sip whiskey. He is so freaking funny. And he's got that dad wisdom. Yeah. Is that really the next bullet point? Yeah. Okay, because I just scribbled that down. Um, so you saw a yeah, segment yeah, today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if this is still relevant to our topic because I want to attempt to try to stay on topic. Okay, so I saw this ridiculous segment. For those of you who have Facebook, you watch a video, you scroll, you scroll down on the videos, uh, you see it shows you another video, another video. Well, I get a lot of stuff. Mike loves doing I love doing that because I love to veg out. Um, so there's a lot of like little two-minute or four-minute Steve Harvey clips. Okay, so here's the one I saw today. This girl, this lady shows up, and she looks like, I don't know, 40s, maybe 50s. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. That's how it always starts. Um, <laughs> she said she's got this boyfriend, and uh, she really likes him, she, and she thinks he's really great, and she wants to be married to him, but she wants, get this, drum roll, please. A two-household marriage. I, re- I repeat myself. A two-household marriage. What does that mean? Exa- I, that's exactly what I was wondering. And Steve Harvey's face it was just so contorted into like the WTF, what are you talking about face. Right. And she got all defensive about it, which is funny. And like having two houses? Yeah. She's like, listen, I, I want to be married, but I just don't want somebody all up in my business all the time. And I'm just like like a dog hearing a whistle, just turning my head sideways like, what? What are you saying? What do you want? So you don't want to be married. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Steve was asking all these follow-up questions. And essentially, I, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to recap the whole thing for you because I couldn't do it justice. But essentially, kind of the conclusion I'd come to after I watched the video and thought about it was, this was the example of a woman who's kind of like the female equivalent of guys that we all chastise and make fun of who want to have a friends with benefits situation so the guy version of that is obviously i want the sex and sometimes i even want you know the a little bit of the companionship of the live-in girlfriend so like the kind of guys do two different things one is you have a friends friends with benefits saying i don't even want to be tied down to having to be stuck monogamously with this one chick but man she puts out and that's what i want so I will get a situation where she's putting out for me, but I don't have to commit my time, my money, my my verbal commitment, my fidelity, anything. I'm just going to get out of her what I want. And then sort of the other version of that is a guy who's willing to live with a girl, but he knows he's never going to ask her to to marry him. And never wants to talk about marriage, never wants to talk about kids, has no intention of marrying her, doesn't really love her, but she's convenient and, and near him and knows that she'll put out 
And so he keeps her around. Guys do mm-hmm. this a lot. And so it's wrong for men to do that. It's like the friends of benefits thing. Um, or just non-committal guys because women are willing to serve everything up for free thinking that they can take a payment on the back on the back end, which is a huge mistake. So yeah. I'm watching this woman is sort of doing the opposite of that, which is interesting, where she wants to be able to say that she's married and she wants the commitment from the guy, but she only wants him to clock in when she wants him there. And then when right. she's done, whether that's after having physical... Whether, whether that's the sex part or whether that's the cuddling or the watching the Lifetime channel or doing chores or mm-hmm. helping fix things, she wants him to go home to his own house, which is the most insane thing ever. And I was thinking, okay, obviously this woman's insane and most people don't feel this way and we're probably not going to have anybody listening to this podcast who have this propensity this woman does. But what does this reveal? And I said, I'm trying to think, what does this reveal in her heart? In her heart, it showed that she wanted the benefits without the inconvenience and the cost. The inconvenience and the cost of having to live with a man, if you're a woman, is he's going to jack up your stuff. He's going to stink. He's going to not put things away in the right way. He's not going to load the dishwasher properly. He's not going to fold the clothes properly. He is going to take big fat dumps in the bathroom. He's going to do all of these things to jack up your nice little comfortable situation. If you're somebody who doesn't like their situation ruffled, Mm -hmm. then, then marriage kind of feels like licking sandpaper. Right. And uh, this woman was, I think she had just probably just been single for too long. Men do this too. When they're single for too long, they get very unreasonable about their demands of, of women. And uh, I'm just encouraging those because we have a lot of, we've met a lot of people recently, male and female, who are single in much later age um, than is traditional. And uh, I want to encourage them that um, two things. Number one, the longer you're single, the more unreasonable you're going to be. I don't know why it is. You'd think it'd mean you're more reasonable, but it actually ten- seems like it turns people into be very unreasonable. I don't know why about their demands and expectations for marriage. Maybe that's like the chicken or the egg, which came first, the unreasonable expectations or the long-term singleness. I could see how one would feed the other. But I think, too, the pool gets smaller, so you Tro- get Totally more... true, but that's not what we're talking about right now. That's a whole, yeah. other, that's a whole other thing. Um, the pool does get smaller and that is fair. That Another is a, day. That is fair to say to, to your guys' credit. But the other thing I wanted to say, which is not this topic, but probably the next bullet point that I think is on there, is don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three verses that I should have read at the beginning of this, but I'm going to read them now anyways. Don't. How come my thing just pooped out? What do you mean? Your headphones died? Yeah. I don't know why your headphones is died. Is that on? It's on. Mine's working fine. What? Um, hello, hello. You can you can play with this. Oh, okay. All right then. So I don't know what happened there. Solid, solid quality stuff. So here we go. It's gonna be a lot of verses coming at you hard and fast. Genesis two coming t- at you. Genesis two twenty one through twenty five. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up in its place with flesh. And the rib that and the rib that the Lord had taken from man he had made into woman and brought her to the man then the man said at last is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed kind of like how we mentioned earlier this whole nakedness without shame sexuality without Mm -hmm. shame okay um First Corinthians 7, 2, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her, ho- her own husband. Um, and then Hebrews thirteen four. let marriage be held in honor among all and let mar- the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Um, 
all this to say, I mean, I could obviously expand a lot on each verse, but I, I'm speaking to the single people here who are maybe feel like they've been single for an awful long time. They've been waiting a long time. God, where's my spouse? Where's my spouse? Don't lose heart. There's a lot of people we know that we can tell struggle with losing heart, losing hope. And I think it gets hard to keep hoping when you've been single mm-hmm. for literally decades, plural, of, of your adult life or of your Christian walk. And you think, how can I still be single by now? You know, what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm, you know, you're, you're the last toy left on the shelf on Christmas Eve. Maybe nobody wants me. It can be very tough. Oh, be... Toy Story. Oh, is that? I didn't watch it. Uh, I, think, I think it can be difficult with that negative self-talk. And I also think that it's very hard to hope, um, mm-hmm. to keep hoping, to keep getting your hopes up especially after they've been crushed down so many times, can be very, very hard. I can, I can talk about that personally in different areas of my life. Um, it's very hard to keep hoping in something especially as vulnerable as that. I would just encourage you, don't stop. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Keep being, getting yourself excited for potential relationships. And, and this is to those of you who are not called to singleness. I think very, very few people are called to singleness unless God has clearly told you I want you to live a life of singleness, which is mm-hmm. usually so that you can be a, doing bit do ministry in some really crazy situations. Um, I think very few people are called to that. And if you're definitely not called to that, then assume you're called to be married. And if you're called to be married, get excited about it, get motivated, and pursue it. And I, I liken this to the the paralyzed man at the well in mm-hmm. John 5. That's right. I've read that one a few times. Uh, the man who's sitting there on, on his pallet and Jesus comes up to him and says, um, do you wish to be healed? And and the guy doesn't even directly answer the question. It's not it, to him, the answer to him, of course I want to be healed. It's so, it's so plainly obvious that he skips over the the yes or no answer he goes do i wish to be healed look i'm here every i'm here every day i wait and i wait and i wait and he was like i think in his 40s um and he says you know every so often the water gets stirred up and people get healed in this water but people cut in front of me and jump in the water so i can't get healed so he he, he skips over the do i want to be healed part all the way to the evidence of saying this is the lament i'm suffering in wanting so badly to be healed and trying and pursuing being healed the man at the well every it's well, day babe, it's pool excuse me the man at the pool it's water. You're getting the woman at the well and the you're man right, at the pool right. confused. Actually, you know what's funny? That story comes right after that. So that's why I, get, that's why I do get him confused. Um, my bad, folks. The man at the pool every day has his friends bring him there to the pool or he crawls there, drags himself, or whatever, every single day because the minute that that water gets stirred up and people get healed, he wants to be the first guy to jump in to get healed. And that's his whole focus. It's his life's focus. Right. Now, granted, he's a paralyzed man with in the third world country in ancient... Israel? Is, no. Judea? I don't know. We're going to say the Middle East. So in the ancient Middle East where there's not a lot of options if you're paralyzed. So granted, his situation is not your situation, but... Jesus says, take up your pa- your your pallet and walk because he sees the faithfulness and the diligence of this guy who believes God. That's a different story. That's the guy that gets put in through the roof. Well, no, not necessarily because I'm sure this other guy has friends also who drag him there. Okay, but I'm saying the take up your pallet and walk. No, no, that's it. What? Trust me, I read this one a lot. What? John, John 5, feel free to look it up right now. So he says, take up your mat and walk or take up your pallet and walk depending on the translation. So he says, take up your pallet and walk, uh-huh. and the guy gets up, and of course he's skipping to my loo. And, uh, but the point is, it's like we see Jesus bless him because he's faithful, and he keeps 
every day showing up and believing and having faith that God will heal him someday. And he keeps trying and trying and trying to be available, to be faithful and to do the right thing. Pick up your mat and walk. Okay. Depends on your translation. There you go. Thank you. Um, so all that to say that he's a great example of a faithful believer in a tough situation that Jesus was faithful to. And I'd say to those of you who are still single after a long period of time, um, or if you're divorced or for the few of those who are widowed, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. This is still God's program. God still designed us to be in marriage and to be in Mm -hmm. relationship in this way. And, uh, if you're not, and I would encourage you if you are single to create friendships with married people and get to know their relationship, people Mm -hmm. that you aspire you know, to have similar relationships or you find encouraging to learn from and to grow, I guess, to keep your eye on the prize of what you're looking for rather than mm-hmm. just, I'm going to reserve myself to just stay single, do my own thing, not really worried about being married, take my mind off of it, you know, be, like Mike said, excited about it and looking forward to it and encourage yourself through seeing the relationships of other people. I mean, I think that was the biggest encouragement to me is seeing people, married couples live in an open and honest way where they showed me I was part of their struggles. I was part of their, I was present for disagreements and arguments that they had times that they weren't talking to each other because there was too much heat of, passion in wanting to be right or whatever it was and you know walking away from one another and and then getting to see that reconciliation process in real time and going wow okay there's something here because as a single person you don't really ever have to do that I mean if you have a disagreement with a friend usually it's not that serious that you're like I'm not talking to you (laughs) or anything like that but I guess sometimes there would be and then there would be a need for reconciliation but in marriage it happens so much more because you're in each other's business like so much more whereas with a friend you're like oh let's go have coffee and you're usually doing enjoyable things together and it's like with a friend you're just pretty much dating them in a sense of Talking, going out, trying new restaurants, having fun experiences, doing fun things together, crafting, whatever it is, working on dirt bikes, like whatever it is that you do together (laughs) that is fun. But when you're married, you have all of that stuff plus the struggles that come in everyday life and you have to work through those things. Overall, I just want to say to encourage people that... um... Basically, don't make that face. Basically, um, there's a lot of challenges in marriage. There's a lot of dying to self. And there's a lot of things that people said that were... People only gave me all the, the, the crash reel of marriage. People always warned me about all the bad stuff. But nobody, You're never going to have sex again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's like... I've heard the same thing when you have kids. But before you get married, everyone gives you sort of like the, high, the, the, the highlight reel of fail videos of all the parts that suck about being married and all the hard stuff they dealt with and now it's a bummer and there's no sex and your wife nags and she lets, lets herself go and then you get lazy and you don't get any freedom and you make out of sell your motorcycle and all these other things that I've, that I've been heard from men my whole life that make it sound like, man, heard. marriage is a bummer. Well, I'm telling you guys, it just from my own personal experience, the pros so far outweigh the cons. 
Uh-huh. And um, just because you've heard all these bad things about your friend's marriage or your parents' marriage or mm-hmm. a previous marriage you may have even had, doesn't have to happen again. doesn't have to be yours. You can change all of that. You can work on all of that. It's all yeah. in your hands. And um, ultimately, the reason we started this podcast, number one, because I feel like God wanted me to start this podcast. But also, personally, I genuinely believe that if you care about our country, if you care about our culture, if you care about our future, our planet... Um, I think that marriage is the thing that God uses to, I'm sorry, marriage is the thing that holds communities together and that Mm -hmm. you can build with a healthy marriage, you can build a healthy generation and healthy children who then will build a healthy country and a community and a culture. And I think that that's the, if there's one thing you could, I could do to change the world. um, I think that I would want to see more healthy marriages um, for kids to be able to grow up in healthy situations. And I think that with healthier people, you would have a healthier planet. I don't know if I said that twice or not, but, uh, Anyways, we are the world. We are the children. <laughs> All right, babe. Is there anything left? That was it for this for this episode of Millennial Marriage. Great job, babe. Um, Signing off. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. We love you. Thanks for listening. And hey, give us some feedback on our freaking podcast, man. Nobody's giving us feedback. Let us know. Other than positive feedback, we've had totally positive feedback. Yeah, unless I run into somebody in person, nobody gives us feedback, whether it's email or direct message or anything. So uh, please speak up. Let us know what you like. Please follow us at Millennial... I don't even know where I'm freaking... I think it's Millennial.Marriage. Millennial.Marriage. On Instagram? Is it? It's Millennial.Marriage.Podcast? I have no idea. We should probably figure that out. My gosh. Hold on. Come on, babe. Hold on. Come on, babe. I'm coming. Hold on. Here we go. Nope. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Wow. Millennial.marriage.podcast on Instagram. There we go. And maybe we should start managing that Instagram as well. I am managing it. Just don't have time to post very often. you got to manage harder. Okay. Thanks. Also, you can send us feedback. Oh, probably that's the best feedback way to send us just dm us or comment on one of our instagram messages or one of our instagram posts also share the link with your friends millennialmarriage.simplecast.fm and thank you very much by the way annie was great thanks for your support all right love you love you bye bye